What's going on everyone? It's your boy Convo with Marlo. Today I got a special guest here with me today. Who do I have the pleasure of being here with? Hi, I'm Ann Stevenson. I represent Ward O'Damon on Edmonton City Council. Sounds good, sounds good. Before I dive into any of my questions, how are you feeling? What is going on? I'm doing pretty good. I'm getting over a cold, so I've got a stuffy nose. I apologize if I cough no throughout problem. the interview, but it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks of for having course, me. Of course, of course. No, it's, it's my pleasure being here because every time I come to City Hall, I feel I feel like a big deal. <laughs> I feel, it's, it's a nice feeling. I don't know what it is, but it's like the energy, the energy within the area is like, man, I should have came here with a suit or something. <laughs> no, you come as you are to City Hall, and that's what makes it such a special place. But I agree, it's a it's a beautiful beautiful building. I feel, you know, you can get busy day to day, but just walking through like that open atrium space, it just uh, reminds you to look up and oh, take man. a breath. Yeah. It's nice. Um, so uh, we're about four months, I believe four months into the new year. Yeah. Um, how has the new year been for you so far leading up to this point? It's a great question. I've actually, I'd say it's been a, a bit of a hard, a hard quarter uh, for some reason. And it, and it actually doesn't have to do with with work, I had a great break over the Christmas holidays. Came back feeling really energized. We're in a new council schedule that just um, uh, is a bit more, a bit more, un it's less unrelentless. So oh, yeah. it's uh, we've got a bit more breathing room. As a council, what what is it specifically that you do? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I mean, it's not not an easy answer. I think I sort of think about four four different. Uh, elements on a stove so I'm trying to keep all the pots bubbling and boiling but you know there's there's sort of governance so I would say that's reading reports that come to us from from city staff um, making decisions voting in chambers council meetings you know talking to members of the public at uh, at those meetings and making decisions I think there's also you know being out in the community really listening talking to people understanding what their needs are mm -hmm. um, there's also you know helping people who are uh, just facing challenges. So it could be some road construction or having trouble getting a permit or not understanding a certain city bylaw. So trying to support them, get them connected into the city services they need. And then there's also just sort of the communication side of things, uh, talking about uh, the work that we're doing on council, talking about the vision uh, that I have and that I think Edmontonians uh, share for, for what we want our future to be and, and having those conversations. So, oh, yeah. Overall, lots of lots of listening, learning, um, and and deciding. I guess. What I'd like to know is, um, how loud is your voice? So what I mean by that is, if you said, um, this building has to look this type of way, or I would like this to be introduced to that community, is it as soon as you say it is written in stone, or is there a process you have to pass the news on to this group of people? Mm -hmm. That group gives it to them. How does that work? That's a great question, and I think you know. I think what's so important to remember is that I'm only ever one of thirteen. So anything I want to get done, I need six other people to agree with me. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, in that sense, it's it's always a collaborative effort uh, when we're getting work done on council. I think what I I'd say two things. So again, I used to be a city staff member. I would come to city council. I would watch uh, council decisions and, you know, sometimes I'd be really frustrated with some of the decisions that were being made, like around uh, land use, so about uh, different different parcels being rezoned and, and what they could be built out to be. 
And so I'm really enjoying getting to be in public hearing now and be the decision maker there. That's, that's really satisfying and I feel like I'm able to, to make uh, positive change that really align with our, our long-term long city goals. So, yeah. so that's, that's really great. I think though that, that there are other times where, you know, I, I wish there was more I could do. I wish that um, I was able to do more to address homelessness, for example. Uh, again, our, our council has taken a lot of great steps to invest in that. There are a lot of great folks in the community agencies who are doing exceptional work around that. And we, we look to support them and fund them. Um, but ultimately, uh, we depend on support from other orders of government as well. And so you're definitely always working. Uh, you can't do anything alone. Again, mm -hmm. a councillor, you're working with your council colleagues. Uh, when you get beyond that, you also need to be working with your colleagues at, at the other orders of government as well. How does the decision making go? Because obviously, I, I know this might be one of those one rare cases, but I, there was a video of uh, Mr. Trudeau in the House of Parliament and there was a lot of bickering going on. When he would mm. say something, mm. the crowd would kind of, they would agree, disagree with him, but childishly, screaming <laughs> at them, screaming at him. Um, how, how does it go here? Yeah. Is, is, it, is it the same thing? We're all in a, or y'all are all in a big house and you kind of give out an idea and if they like it, they say yes. If they don't, they bicker. So I, I'm glad you put it that way and not me. <laughs> There, there's very different expectations of decorum at council meetings versus uh, uh, the provincial legislature or, or federal parliament. Mm -hmm. So because uh, what's really unique about the municipal level in, in Edmonton is that we don't have political parties. So all of us are there as individuals. We, we show up as individuals. We don't belong to parties. Um, we just do our best as individuals to represent uh, all Edmontonians. We make decisions for all Edmontonians and, and the people we represent specifically in our wards. So, so we don't sort of have that those teams. We don't yeah. have this blue and red teams that are, are bickering with each other. Uh, we are not allowed to clap. We are not allowed to cheer. We're not allowed to you heckle. Can't do any so what do you do when you strongly agree with what someone says? I use my words. I sign up. So, so our, our power as counselors, we get to sign up to speak, then you have five minutes to speak. So if a colleague of mine has an idea that I think is really great, I can sign up and I can say, I, I agree. I think this is a really phenomenal idea. I can ask some questions to clarify, um, you know, to, to ask city staff again, like, does this make sense? What about this? What about that? So the power is really in, in words, in mm -hmm. asking questions. And it, it leads, in my opinion, to, to really reasoned, um, thoughtful debate. Uh, much of the time isn't it um is there some cases where it's just hard to kind of keep it to yourself because there's got to be multiple situations where someone just says something that just sounds crazy and you really want to jump up but obviously you can't is that is it hard to leave that in um i mean i think i think it just comes down to to patience oh, and yeah. you know if there are i i I don't think I've had the occasion to do this, but like certainly, actually, I mean, there have been um, at times uh, members of the public have, have spoken and they've used language that I don't think is appropriate. And yeah. as a counselor, you are able, another thing you can do is you can say, you can call a point of order. And so that allows you to kind of interrupt someone and say point of order. I'm not comfortable with, with the language that you're using. So, so there is that opportunity if it's something really egregious or offensive. But yeah. But again, I think it's so important to, to separate out sort of 
disagreement over ideas and and concepts and plans versus disagreements over people, people's identity, um, and, and who they are. The, anything on that side of the table is not, not appropriate to be yeah. talked about, but like everything else, absolutely. Wow, so is there anybody, so let's say there was someone that says objection, is there someone that can overrule the objection? I, yeah, so, so if I said point of order, uh, the mayor could rule, I, now you're testing my, my, um, my rules, but the, the chair could say that I was out of order and could, yeah. could not allow me to raise a point of order. Then the chair could be challenged. Uh, so then someone can say, hey, I disagree with, with the chair, with, mm. if the mayor is chairing the meeting, say, I disagree. And then you have a vote. And so a super majority of council is required to over, overturn the decision of the chair. Wow. Yeah, so there's a lot of, like, a lot of accountability um, built into there. Uh, but again, I'd stress like it's, it, it always has to be collaborative. It always has to be a majority of, of other councillors, individuals uh, in the way that our system is set up. Um, individuals alone are not, are not kind of privileged to make, uh, make their own decisions or, yeah. or like in, in how a meeting is run. Okay. Um, real quick, what was your upbringing like oh. from childhood to, let's say, childhood to junior high, junior high, high school, high school to university? Because I want to get to a point to you traveling abroad for 10 years. Oh, sure. Yeah. So I, I grew up uh, in, in Rio Terrace in the West End of Edmonton. I lived in the same house from sort of when I was in kindergarten to, to grade 12. Wow. Um, I have a, an older sister and two parents, a mom and a dad. Uh, and so what's interesting is that Rio Terrace is a really affluent neighborhood. When my parents bought a house there, they had just moved from, from Winnipeg. My dad was a mid, uh, mid-level manager at General Electric, so mm-hmm. an electrical engineer. He was paid very well. He had a company car. They were able to pay the house off in five years, which wow. is just like mind blowing. Yeah. But then in, in the 80s, he was laid off. And so uh, basically from the time I was, I don't know, about maybe five or so, um, five or six, my, my dad didn't ever again sort of have full-time employment. So he was you know, able to get, he had contract teaching work at Nate. My mom went back, she had been a stay-at-home mom when, when my sister and I were first uh, born. Mm-hmm. She went back uh, to work as a nurse in, in many centers. And you know, I, didn't, I wasn't really aware of it at the time, but uh, like money was, I mean, I was aware that money was tight, but like it was, it was very, very tight. It was very tight. And, um, but we had this house. We had a house that my parents had paid for. They were able to pay for you know, the ongoing property tax and insurance to keep the home. But we never had to worry about about losing the house, and it enabled me to, to grow up in a really, you know, amenity-rich, safe, and, and well-maintained neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really fascinating from a city-building perspective because the city, like, equalized an income disparity for our family. Right? We had access to affordable housing, and uh, it enabled me to to have you know, a really stable and secure upbringing that, that, you know, filled me with a lot of ambition, I guess, and, yeah. and like excitement for what I could accomplish. Uh, so I think it's a really interesting example of how uh, different things we can invest in as a community uh, have a huge impact on, on the life of families and, and kids. 
Oh yeah, no, that's nice. So uh, once once you decided, once you hit, I say high school to university, when did you tell yourself, you know what, I sp- I spent enough time in Edmonton. Let me spend about a decade of time elsewhere. Yeah, I mean it was all very accidental. I like I I had no huge inclination to leave Edmonton. I loved I loved Edmonton. Um, you know, had a great group of friends I'd gone from like kindergarten to high school with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the time, I was really interested in international development, and uh, nothing at the U of A was really appealing to me. I remember going to an open house uh, for the U of A, and just nothing nothing appealed to me very strongly. And I happened to run into a guidance counselor who said, you know, asked me what I was interested in, and he said, oh, you know, well, Trent University in, in Ontario has a really good international development program, and so I checked it out and. I uh, just loved it. It was a four-year program. The third year was spent overseas, um, so I got to spend my third year in Ghana, and uh, I loved it. I loved it, so I, I went, went there for my undergrad. I would come back to Edmonton during the summers. So actually, I had my first job with the city of Edmonton, which was as a laborer during the summers, just yeah. maintaining parks, and um, had a lot of fun doing that. So, you know, Edmonton was always kind of my base coming home. And then very similarly, when I was uh, overseas in my third year, uh, I, you know, started to see some some gaps, I guess, in international development. And there was so much, so much aid and community development work, but sometimes it was very abstract. Um, all these different organizations, NGOs, were taking different approaches to development: women's rights, democracy, health-based. And not that they were working at cross purposes, but they didn't necessarily kind of come together. Uh, and I read a really great um, case study of a, of a town in Brazil called Curitiba, and mm. their mayor took, he was an architect, and he took a very city design-led approach to, to community development and community wellness and, and prosperity. And I just thought it was phenomenal, and so yeah. I, I learned about a, a master's program in inter, um, uh, city design and social sciences uh, in the UK. So again. I was not super excited to go to the UK. I loved I loved Peterborough, where I was for my undergrad. I loved Edmonton, and I sort of thought, oh, London is this huge city. I might not be very happy there. Yeah. Uh, but I went, and I, I loved it. It was wow. a great place to be. So I ended up being there for about five years, mm. and then uh, and then wanted to be closer to home. Uh, had a had a two year stopover in Vancouver, and then and then made my way back to Edmonton. Wow. So when when you spent some time in Ghana. What was that feeling like being the minority? Oh yeah, I mean, because I was... know it hit you like, <laughs> like a bulldozer. I mean, I could never forget it. Just like I would walk down the street and call me like, "Oh Bruni, oh Bruni," which is like white lady, white lady, like <laughs> constantly. They don't and, hide it. Oh no, not at all. And like, but it was great, right? Because I'd never had my race called out for me before. Yeah. Um, so is that what they called you every time they saw you? Oh, like I stuck I, to you like glue. I like oh like. Tr- children would follow me through the streets. Oh, Bruni, oh, Bruni, oh, Bruni. <laughs> um, which, you know, but again, like it was, it was a, a fascinating experience. So I'd say overall, again, like uh, being white absolutely had, had privileges, right? Like I was treated immensely well. Uh, you're, there's a legacy of that, that deferential treatment um, in, in Ghana, right? So definitely benefited from that. But there's also, um, you know, I was also... The target for certain crimes, so I was I was mugged twice, which again is not typical. That's not like it's a it's a very safe country. It's great, but mm-hmm. um, you know, and there were there were other other crimes that uh, were happening in the community where I lived against against white NGO um, folks. So it was it was a real sense of 
yeah, it's just hard when you can't hide yourself in yeah. a crowd, right? And and when you that can make you a target of uh, violence or uh, discrimination. But but like I I had still had many privileges in that situation. The first being that. Uh, Ghana wasn't my home. I, I was only planning to be there for a short time mm -hmm. and then move back to Canada. So if I felt like an outsider, I mean, I was. I was very literally an outsider who was planning to be there for some time and then and then leave. Yeah. Uh, I also, um, in terms of sort of the, the, the systems of, of the state, so, you know, government officials, um, police officers, everyone, uh, they... They, there were not racist institutions against against me, right? They were. They, I knew that they were there to protect me. I felt safe from sort of an organizational government level. Yeah. And so, what I reflect on is how how different that experience must be when you experience racism in your home. So, if you are a racialized Canadian um, and being made to feel like an outsider when it is your home where yeah. you where you like I that's just such a I can't imagine how how hard that would be how how difficult that would be to have that experience and also to have the experience that the structures uh, of the state are are also embedded with with systemic racism that works against you oh, yeah. um, so so again, some insight in terms of, of, of what that, that feels like, but, but also recognizing I, I lack uh, a really profound aspect um, that I, I will never understand, right, as a white it's, Canadian. It's, it's nice to hear someone that doesn't look like you say something like that, because it's <laughs> like, you would never understand unless you go through it yourself. Mm -hmm. And even though you've gone through it like a short amount of time, within that short amount of time, you see like, is this how certain individuals get treated just because they don't look like a specific type of group? Totally. Which is crazy, it should never be like that, but for some reason that's just, that's totally. the world we live in. Totally. You see a certain group and you're like, oh, this group is known for doing this, let me cross the street. Right. Which sucks, but again, right. that's just how it is. Yeah, no, and, it, and, it, and again, it's like, um, I, I, but I just, I got to leave that, right? I just could leave that. And I just think about when, when you don't have that option to leave. Exactly. Right? Oh, yeah. Um, when, when, did you, when did you decide or when did it kind of hit you where saying, okay, counseling, city counselor, I think, mm. I think this is kind of the thing for me. Was it, was it recent? Was it years ago? Yeah, I mean, I think I've been saying for years and years, like I... Uh, and this is not, I love our current mayor. I would, he's, he's the greatest mayor, but you know, I always talk about being mayor of Edmonton, right? That yeah. was sort of always a, you know, a running kind of joke uh, during university and um, uh, something I've always been interested in. Clearly, you know, doing, doing um, uh, city urban design, city planning, like I really love cities. I love municipalities. And I love, again, the nonpartisan nature of, of municipal politics. I think uh, the decisions we make at the city have a profound impact on people's daily lives. And oh, yeah. it's so exciting to think about making those making those better and, and easier. So I've always been really uh, uh, called or you know called to it, interested in it. Um, the the two elections prior to the 2021 election when I ran, I supported two two friends who were running campaigns. So I got a really good sense through that process just like what running a campaign looks like. So uh, you know kind of felt felt I had a grounding in that, but as the 2021 election was coming up, 
you know, I heard, uh, you know, former councillor Scott McKean wasn't going to be running again. And I just remember I was just I was on mat leave at the time. So I was, you know, just focused on on raising an infant and, and wasn't really tuned into to what else was going on. It's also the pandemic. So exactly. it was a very unique time. But um, I, I sort of figured at the time, oh, well, I'll run. I'll run when the next, you know, the next cycle, right? If someone gets elected, I'll just run when they when they retire after that. Uh, but then, sort of at the the beginning of 2021, um, you know, just sort of started to to come back into the world and and uh, learn a little bit more about about what was happening, and really started to feel that that I had something to offer uh, at this specific time. Mm-hmm. So so coming out of the pandemic we'd really had to take so many steps back, right? Like it was, it was a huge crisis. We'd, we'd really had to sort of retrench, just like figure out the, the basics and, and the survival pieces. Uh, and I recognized that like moving forward, we could make small changes now yeah. that would like radically change our long-term trajectory, right? Like a small angle here, like leads to a very different destination in the long run. So I really felt there was an opportunity to, to come in, bring bring some of my experience with city planning, with affordable housing, yeah, um, yeah. to to really make an impact now uh, for that that long term. So so decided to run and um, was was very very lucky to be elected. Oh yeah, no, and I could, I could tell you love every step of it. <laughs> I could tell. Um, I see I see that you had some weekly updates oh, on your yeah. page. Can you explain some of them? Yeah. So I. Um, I, I was not on social media before the election. I am still terrible at doing social media. My, my team manages my they social media for me. Yeah, yeah. But it was really, you know, I'm not, I'm not someone that's sort of like actively always um, uh, tweeting or, or commenting on what's happening. But there's so much that happens every week at City Hall, so many exciting decisions. And so the weekly updates is just a way to, for me to, it's actually great, a great exercise for me to kind of reflect on the last week, mm-hmm. what were the key decisions, kind of help help keep people informed about what's going on at City Hall and, and what I'm excited about. So yeah, just a way to share some of that information, hopefully, hopefully be engaging more people. Uh, one of my like, um, you know, something I'd really love to see change is that, again, the decisions we make at City Council affect people's daily lives on oh, a yeah. daily basis and yet we have such low voter turnout so only about 30 percent of eligible voters come out and vote in municipal elections so i hope that that i can um, sort of demystify some of what goes on at city hall really connect people to what they're experiencing day to day and the decisions that we're making and hopefully through that just get them more interested in, in taking part in in the next civic election oh yeah um with, with those type of things is I feel like a lot of people, it's funny, I was just speaking to someone else about that. I feel like a lot of people, like my age group too, we feel like our votes won't ever count. Yeah. And sometimes you never know, we might be that one extra vote to change everything. 100%. But it just sucks because we all have this mentality where it's like, ah, it don't matter. I had a friend of mine that voted for this guy, but that guy got elected. So yeah. what would be the difference if I do it? Yeah, and I just like... Oh man, it's such a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Because if if people don't come out to express their values through the vote, um, then they aren't going to see their their values reflected in who gets into government, mm-hmm. and so it becomes this vicious cycle. And and I'm, you know, I'll confess. So I was. Oh man, I could do the math, but. <laughs> 
the last provincial elections were the first time that the person I voted for was elected. Wow. So I've been voting since I was 18. So that's like about 20 years of voting. Wow. Um, where, yeah, I, I consistently voted for people who didn't get elected. But it's still so critically important. And again, if, if you don't think that your values are being reflected in who's leading, then, then you need to express your values in the easiest way, the simplest way that will not take you more than an hour on one day every four years is, is to cast a vote. Exactly. Um, what is an urban planner and housing advocate? Ooh. So I studied uh, urban design uh, and, and city planning, and it's really just looking at all the pieces that make, make our city run. So it's from you know, sewers to roads to buildings, homes, businesses, parks, uh, rec centers, libraries, um, just sort of figuring out how that all fits together uh, to, to build, build a city. Um, I really love like concrete, tangible things. That's what I love about city planning is it's very sp spatial. It's very, um, you know, you, you see it around you and you see mm -hmm. how it impacts. So like I think about, um, there, and there's so many things in our environment, in our built environment that influence how we behave. So if you think about, you know, I always love looking at when, when snow falls over, let's say Churchill Square. Yeah. Actually, Church Churchill Square gets cleared pretty quickly, but it's always fascinating seeing, we call them desire lines. So how do, you know, we have sidewalks where people are supposed to be, but when people travel just sort of the direction they want to go, you end up with very different patterns. So we don't mm. always get it right when we build sidewalks about where people want to be. And, you know, you'll see it in the grass sometimes, right? Where there's just like that one path where everyone walks and the grass kind of gets worn away. Yeah, yeah. That, like that long brown, I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, right? And that's like, that's, that's urban design. And so urban design is just uh, so closely connected to human behavior. Um, you know, it's amazing just in terms of, you know, the width of a, a road, right? Is mm -hmm. it two lanes, three lanes, four lanes? That is, has huge impacts on how fast people will drive on that car, on that street. Um, how many people will walk? How many people will feel comfortable crossing that street? Will they just jump in their car to get this to the store or will they, they walk to get there? And, you know, we see this in Edmonton. So I live in Oliver. Uh, it's very compact, lots of density, oh, yeah. very walkable, and and again, even across my ward, which there's some you know lower density neighborhoods where it's mainly single detached house, so it doesn't all have to be apartments and high rises, but close to half, so about 46% of people, uh, walk, take transit, or bike to where they're going. That's their primary mode of getting around, mm -hmm. uh, and that is is because the communities are built to support that. They're they're built so that. It is walkable, it's easy to get to a store, easy to walk to, to work or to transit to get where you need to go. And I think that's really, really profound. That, that means that it's um, you know, more sustainable, uh, less, less greenhouse gases, and it's all, we didn't have to convince anyone, we didn't have to change hearts and minds, we just had to build a city that makes it easy for them to live that way. Exactly, no, I like that. Um, what, are, what are some of your plans for this year, for 23? Oh, there's always so much going on. I, um, I'm really excited to, to start looking at some, some development in the quarters. So that's uh, just sort of next door to downtown. Start to see if we can get, get some development going there. 
you know, housing housing is an ongoing priority in terms oh, of addressing yeah. that. Uh, you know, I, I really enjoy and I'm excited about the work I'm doing with uh, Police Commission as well. So just really focusing on a, a really holistic look at community safety and well-being. Oh yeah, no, that's nice. Um, last last few things I'm gonna ask you is, um, I saw you you and your whole team was at the Junos Award. Oh yeah, how was that? <laughs> that was very fun. That was very fun. It was uh, great to be there. I really love. So I used to, like I I always love uh, being backstage and like seeing all the mechanics of a show. So oh, you it was got really that experience? Neat. Yeah, it was wow. like we were. I mean, we were at out front, but just seeing how they use different parts of the stage or like setting up different parts of the stage when like on screen you were only seeing one part. Exactly. Uh, so it was, uh, I feel very lucky to have been able to go and it was a great, great night. Did you see that part where, where that lady ran up on stage <laughs> doing whatever yeah. she was doing? What, yeah. what was all that about? That, that was all over social media. <laughs> yeah, it was fairly awkward. I mean, she was up there for a, for a long time and we were all just kind of averting our eyes, but you know, I, I uh, respect the message that she had around, um, I, I, I understand she was, um, you know, really, really pushing for Indigenous rights. Oh, Reconciliation yeah. is critically important. I think, I, I think that, uh, you know, protest is a really important part of, uh, of our democracy. Mm -hmm. It's just like lawful protest maybe is a bit uh, uh, more important too, but uh, well, maybe I take that back. Maybe I take that back. Maybe it just could have been one of those things where it's like, maybe you'll hear, you'll definitely hear me if I, if I propose it like this, rather than standing outside of city hall and hoping someone hears me. Yeah. Well, you know what? I think that speaks to when people feel voiceless within a system. They're they're often looking for ways to express themselves outside of that system. Mm -hmm. I think that's where we see a lot of uh, protest movements coming from, and it's important for us to heed that, right? Like. If, if this is the only way that people feel that they can be heard, then there's, there's something wrong with how we're listening. Uh, so certainly an important, an important message to take away and, and think about how, how we can do a better job of reflecting those things back. Oh yeah. Is there, uh, my, my last question here for you, is there any message that like, you would love for the young people to, oh. to get? And by young people, I mean from 18, like starting age of voting to let's say 29, 30. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, like vote, please vote. It really matters. Like again, it is a self-fulfilling prophecy. If, if all of the youth from 18 to 29 decided that their vote counted and all of their counterparts decided, that would be a massive voting block. Like you really could choose who, who the next councillors are, who the next mayors are. Uh, and that's profoundly important. And it, again, it takes collective action. You can't, in some ways, it's true. A, a vote all alone by yourself, um, it, it actually, it still is important. But it's that collective action of all of us taking, it's like a, we each take an individual act to achieve a really critical community, communal mm -hmm. outcome. Um, I would encourage people too, if they have interest in running, being part of uh, city council or being mayor, uh, I found working on other people's campaigns really, really helpful. I was always terrified of door knocking. I just thought that would be the worst thing in the world. Not a big fan of that. Oh, I was well. I was just so nervous about it. And I yeah. just thought maybe I can't campaign because, like, I just I don't want to go door to door. That seems awful. Um, but I, I volunteered, and I was told, 
well, you can just go and take notes. You don't have to talk at all. And so I was able to kind of go and just watch and see how it was. And I, you know, very quickly discovered that I love door knocking. Oh, um, wow. So, again, if there are things that, that people are afraid about or think might be really hard, like I just encourage them to try it out and, and exactly. see. Have you, um, as city council, you're, are, I'm, I'm assuming you're always public speaking. You're always speaking to, the, to like a large, large sum amount of people. Do you yeah. still get nervous doing stuff like that? I think it's 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 like any skill. If you're doing it often enough, you just you just kind of get used to it. So yeah. so that feels okay for me now. Um, I like doing it. I think it's just remembering that uh, no one ever judges you as harshly as you judge yourself. Mm. So being kind to yourself. Uh, yeah, uh, we we all do so much better uh, than I think we we let ourselves believe we do. The the reason why I'm asking that is because um, I. I had a, a friend of mine who's hosting an event for Canada Day at the Foundry Room. Oh yeah! And um, he wants me to be the host. Nice. Like um, it's kind of like a, a singing thing they're doing where one one guy sings and then once he finishes, I get the mic, introducing the next Ooh. guy. And it's like, oh my! God. Every time I think about it, my heart skips a beat. Yeah. My hands get sweaty. I start sweating. I'm it's, it's nerve it's nerve wracking, but. A lot of people I bring it up to, they say, oh, you're going to rock it. You have nothing to worry about. Like, that's easy for you to say because you're not doing it. <laughs> so everyone that I, most people that I speak to that, that I know are usually in front of a crowd, I ask them, like, what do you do to kind of mm. get yourself through it? Or is it just second nature to you at this point? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think again, practice just yeah. like as often as you can do it because it's just, uh, it's like a muscle, right? You just, you just have to uh, keep using it. I know I get rusty. Like if I... If I haven't given a media interview for a few weeks, like, oh yeah, it's just like it's it's a bit, yeah, just need to get back in the groove. But oh, yeah. Yeah. I think more than anything, it's like, uh, let's say people will never remember what you say, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. Mm. So you are, you know, you are warm and you are kind. And if you express that and allow that to come through, that's what people will remember. They'll remember that. They're not going to remember if you stumbled over your words that's or what repeated gonna, yourself. See, that's, that's or, the one thing I'm nervous. Because me, I'm not, not going to lie. I don't really get nervous. Me, me and getting nervous don't get along. <laughs> but it's like, if I ever bring, bring to your attention that I'm nervous about something, it's serious. It's yeah, serious. Yeah, and then yeah. me talking in front of a crowd of maybe like 60, 70, maybe even triple digits of people, like, Man, phones are gonna be out. <laughs> eyes are gonna be on me everywhere I go. I see the eyes following me like owls. And it's just, I think it's, I'm just overthinking it. I might just yeah, be yeah, overthinking yeah. it, but it's like, it's in my dreams now. Every oh, time man. I fall asleep, oh man, it's, I overthink things a lot. Well, and that's, and that's fair. I think we, we do that sometimes. I love, there's a great book uh, called Self Compassion. And it's all about, you know, we have this voice in our head that can sometimes be critical or negative. And, mm -hmm. Uh, you know, the, the idea of self-compassion is tell yourself what you would tell a friend, mm. right? So sometimes I mess up and, and sorry, I will also note, I've probably stumbled a million times during this conversation. You, you like, is, that's probably not what you remember, right? Like yeah, that's yeah, not what yeah. you're focused on. I mean, maybe you've noticed, <laughs> but, but yeah, tell, tell yourself what you would tell a good friend who's feeling nervous about it, right? Yeah. Like, what would you tell a friend? You tell them, like, hey, no, you're... You you're good. You got nothing you to worry about. about. They good. won't even remember. They won't remember. Yeah. They'll just, again, they'll remember how you make them feel. And, uh, and yeah, yeah, that's cool. I mean, I, I think it's great to get those experiences. And 
um, it becomes it becomes easier and easier as, oh, yeah. as you do it more and more. Well, that's everything I got to ask you. Is there anything you want to ask me before I wrap this all up? Well, yeah. Well, tell me. Like you were asking me what I wanted, you know, folks from you know eighteen to twenty nine to take away. Like, what message do you share? What What do you think is important? Like um, to a certain group of people, or yeah. to and for me, it's just um, uh, it's probably cliche. It's something you hear all the time, but whatever dream it is that you have, mm. just do it. Don't yeah, ask yeah, yeah, people. Yeah. Hey, do you think I should skateboard or do you think because yeah. obviously you're gonna run into a decent amount of people that are gonna say yes, but when that one person says no or that one person's like, that's what you wanna do, that's the heaviest like weight. Mm. And it's just just one of those things. Whatever it is you wanna do, just do it. Absolutely. And make sure you, you put 110 into it. Cause if you don't, what's the point of doing it? Yeah. You never know what the true outcome could have been if you didn't put your all into it. Absolutely. So my message is just like Nike. Just do, do it. it. Just no, do it. That's such an important message. You know, and something that I should share too is that, you know, I think it's easy to look at people who are doing things and to be like, oh man, they've got it all figured out. They're not they knowing what they on. went through. Right. Or what they are currently. I don't know what I'm doing a lot of the time. Like, there's, <laughs> I'm still figuring out a ton of it. And so, like, if you feel doubt, if you feel uncertainty, if you don't know if what you're doing is right, that doesn't mean you're not doing the right thing. It doesn't mean that you are failing at that thing. It, it is what every single person doing anything is feeling. Exactly. Some people, exactly what you said, some people will look at a, a Beyonce and be like, she's had it figured out since day one, not knowing that she went through this and that and had right? to just crazy amount of things you got to go through to be at the top. Oh yeah. And I'm sure every day thinks like, oh, should I have written that tweet? Or like, you know, like, Everyone has that, those moments of doubt or uncertainty, and that's okay, you know? It's, exactly. It's, that's how, how great things happen, and making mistakes is a huge part of it, for sure. Okay, okay. Well, that's, yeah, for me overall, just do it. Nice. Don't, don't ask friends. I mean, yeah, ask friends, but make sure, like, you're ready for the no. You're mm -hmm. ready for that one person to, are you sure you want to do that? That one person that might put negative thoughts in your mind. Because I understand wanting mm -hmm. to get, like, um, wanting to get a hearing a, another person like you don't want to just do something without getting advice because you never know if, if well yeah and I think it's always important too to think about um, what's that person going through what are they feeling exactly uh, and you never know who could help you out too yeah so some, it's, it's not always best to keep it to yourself I 100% agree with that yeah again you need you need other people to do things. I like none of what I do is by myself. Mm -hmm. It is with friends and family and supporters and volunteers and colleagues. You got a good support group behind absolutely, you. Absolutely, absolutely. My amazing team. Like I just none of it is is me alone. Oh yeah, no, that's good. Um, for people that want to reach you or contact you, where 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 can they get a hold of you? Oh yeah, so uh, all my social media is Edmonton Anne. So Edmonton underscore Anne. Uh, delighted to have you reach out there, but uh, if you if you want to kind of get into a conversation or have specific questions, uh, my email is anne.stevenson at edmonton.ca. Reach out anytime. I've got a newsletter on my website, annstevenson.ca, you can sign up for. Uh, and happy to connect anytime. Sounds good. It was a pleasure having you on. Thank you. It's your boy Convo and Marlo. And Anne Stevenson. And I'm out. <laughs>